welcome to the wall. You already know they got a young amigo in this joint as your host, and I got my peoples with me ready to give you all the news and analysis you need. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram when you type in AT underscore the wall, along with your respected podcast platforms. But most importantly, use the information we present to you today to educate yourself and others, and together we can change the world. So, but before we get started, we need to congratulate a young king for walking the stage and graduating with a Bachelor's of Science degree from Towson University. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Joseph Mitchell. Unfortunately, he was unable to make it to today's episode. Also, make sure to send a happy birthday to Victoria Ozums, who is known out here as uh, as the great humbler and supporter of the brand. So, for this week, we will be having a two-part series to talk about Black and Brown health. So, in part one, we will be talking about the application process to medical school, including the truths and the myths. However, I felt like we needed to bring the Draco out for this topic. Draco. Like, I had to really bring out a whole queen just so we can really, like, understand you know, this whole process. So for today's special analyst, I present to you a current medical student and MD candidate, Towson alum, an educator, and a powerful force behind prosperous Black women in the medical field. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Her Excellency, Katie Brown. (laughs) Welcome, Katie. Hey, Juan, how are you doing? I'm doing great this morning. I, I'm doing fantastic, as a matter of fact. I, how are you doing, Queen? You you doing all right? I'm doing fine, you know, just hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah, you're a whole medical student, so you're, you're pretty busy. I am, I am. So I, I definitely appreciate you uh, making the time to come out here to educate us, because, you know, we, we got to know these things, you know? And so going into this, I do want to ask, can you please let the audience audience know where you're from and who you represent? Well, I was born in West Africa, Guinea, but I was raised in Maryland. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's what's up. Yo, so I, so thank you again for representing the culture here as 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 your profession, of course, with that inclusion is is essential. And we're going to go into that. However, I do want to go ahead and talk about the application though. And that is that for the outline, you know, as I was reading the outline of the whole uh, application according to the AAMC. Uh, I thought this was quite simple, right? Just just submit your MCAT and apply to the schools you want, right? However, as I did some further digging, I found that this was much more complex. And so this is where I have Katie here as a special analyst to help us navigate through this whole process. So uh, going, but going off breaks, I do want to ask uh, Katie, what's What's the key or what's the key elements to picking the right medical school before this whole process begins? So that's a bit hard to answer because I think the answer varies from student to student. Um, I know for me, I can only uh, speak for myself. I know for me going into finding the correct medical school for me was more so the, how were the uh, instructors, you know, how did they interact with the students and Honestly, besides that, the most important thing was cost. 
So that's something people don't think about. Well, I don't know if people think about that's something I know some students do just want to get to the best of the best schools. I always thought about cost because I want to make sure I know I know medical school is expensive, but I wanted to make sure I was, you know, not in the most expensive school out there. So cost was very important to me. Um, having faculty that cared about their students was also very important to me. So that's how I went about picking my medical school. And it's actually hard to know exactly which medical schools those are until you interview. When you interview, you get the real experience of, okay, is this medical school a good fit for me? Nice, because we will get into that that topic very soon, because that's part of the uh, application process, of course. So going in, though, I see that before, uh, when you start to apply, you pretty much need two things. That's a bachelor's and an M- your MCAT score. So what's what's the truth behind these two requirements? Do you need like a high MCAT score and maybe finesse the GPA or vice versa? Uh, do you mind please explaining to us, Katie? So yes, I'm glad you asked that. Um, actually, the funny thing is you don't actually need either. Wait, is, what? Yes. So, well, let me rephrase. It depends. It depends on the school. Some schools do not require a bachelor's or MCAT. They have programs. It's like a pipeline program where they take students straight from high school who have good grades and have an interest in medicine. And it's like a pipeline program straight into medicine. There are some schools who you enter, you, ha- you have to graduate from high school, you have to get accepted to college, but there's a pipeline from um, college straight to med- medical school. So you don't need an MCAT or back. You don't really need to graduate with your bachelor's to get into medicine. Actually, the medical school I'm at right now, even though I took my MCAT because I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, we don't have access to resources or access to good mentors who you know, expose you to this knowledge, you just don't know any better. So I did get my bachelor's, and which I already mentioned before, I did take my MCAT. And I still got into med school, but it's not necessary. And I think some a lot of people are not aware of that. Depending on where you live, you might not need a bachelor's or an MCAT, you just have to have good grades and the drive and dedication to do it. Wow. Uh, I'm completely mind blown right now, because we all thought otherwise, like the typical... Yeah route you know so thank you so much for that insight because that is very useful (laughs) and so I see here so I guess like once you get those requirements or I guess like I guess for for the purpose of the application fee though or I guess for the application process uh I guess when people don't realize I guess when people go the other route so let me let me expand on that a little bit because I see it on I want to make sure I cover all my, all my bases here. Right. Although it's not a requirement, most medical, most pre-med students still get their bachelor's and still take an MCAT. It is the norm. Okay. So there is still majority of students that are um, applying to medical schools are still going through that, through that traditional route. So yes, if you want to, we can continue about the application process for those who are interested yeah. who want to take that traditional route. I see. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because it was just like, wait a minute, how many people are like doing this? I, I didn't realize. But yeah, it's, it's not a common. It's not a common thing. Do you know if that varies through state or is it just like a program? Okay. Oh, okay. So, okay. So some states might know. So yeah, I guess look into that. It not only does it um, vary through state, it varies through counties. So it just depends if you're 
because a funny thing is when I was working as a tutor in North Carolina, one of my colleagues, she was a urologist. Um, she quit her job because it was just, you know, too much for her. And I remember I was talking to her. I was like, oh my God, because this was my year where I was applying for med school. Remember I had the year, I had a year off where I was just, you know, trying to live my best life of my mm-hmm. youth. And then I had another year where I actually was like, okay, I got to sit down. I have to apply to med school. I got to get serious about my life. So I went back to tutoring because I, you know, the more exposure you have to um, medicine, to science, I felt like it would be the best preparation for medical school. So I went back to tutoring. And one of my colleagues, she was a urologist who quit her job. And she was, was talking about med school. And I was talking about how I was studying for my MCAT, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, why am I even telling this? You're a urologist. You were a urologist. You know all about this. She was like, no, actually, I don't. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, um, I, I forgot which um, state it was. She's like, yeah, and my high school just had a pipeline program where I got into med school. That's crazy. Yep, and that's how and I you just looked, You just looked at her like, damn. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't blame her. I think it's great because it allows people who otherwise would not have the opportunity to be in the medical field, gives them that opportunity. A lot of times you'll find these programs in um, underserved areas. Okay. And they want to create, they want to make their own physicians because these physicians are not trying to work in West Virginia. They're not trying to work in Mississippi. They're not trying to work. They want to go to New York and Miami and California and so on and so forth. So these areas are trying to create their own physicians, which is why they're trying to lower the um, requirements. Yeah, because honestly, those those requirements are not necessary because at the end of the day, it's like, we know what we're doing. So it's just like, why? And that's the whole thing about professionalism too. It's just like, when you know what you're doing, you know, why does anything else matter? So I think that's a topic we'll get into later, but I yeah. think that's a great point that you bring up. A lot of these requirements are not necessary. They, to me, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but to me, I think their obstacles are put into place to limit who has access mm. to these careers. That's just my um, personal opinion. Obviously, other people might disagree, but that is from what I've seen. I've seen amazing physicians who didn't take an MCAT. So then that makes your question, what is the purpose of the MCAT? Is it really a requirement to make good physicians? Or is it a way to weed out students who don't have resources or don't have you know good mentors or are not um, adequately prepared to apply for medical school? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, you can answer that question by yourself, but I just want to bring, um, point yeah, that out. Yeah, touch it. that, touch that. Thank exactly. you so much. And, and so I guess when people go to the traditional route and, you know, they get those two requirements, I, things get even more trickier because one misstep can jeopardize your whole acceptance. And that to me is like, is scary. So can you please explain to us like why that process is so fragile Like what happens why is it so fra- yeah, why is it so fragile? So I, uh, I think um, people who, so like I said, the majority of um, medical schools do want an MCAT. So when it comes to the MCAT, there's a magic number you must achieve. Until you reach that magic number, no, I don't care what anybody tells you, until you get that magic number, nobody will look at your application. Nobody. <laughs> You know, they say, oh, you know, medical schools want, you know, make sure you get in volunteer hours, make sure you're, and yes, those are important. Make sure, you know, you're working with physicians, you have shadowing hours, all this stuff. All of those are very important. And, and you know, it makes a diverse candidate. However, 
they will not look at your application unless you have that magic MCAT score. It's, it's the honest truth. And unfortunately, it's the sad truth. So um, I think that's what, what makes um, things fragile. If you're not, you know, if you're not getting that score on your f- first attempt, because, you know, if you retake your MCAT, it becomes a red flag. Like, uh-oh, this person has to take the MCAT twice. Hmm. So, yeah, it can, it can get um, tricky if, you know. I see that. And, and once you submit that, I, I feel like this, this quant- and, and through your own experience, this tripped you up too. And that is that this, it takes a whole year to, to, to process this, to, to complete this whole, whole process. So can you please explain like what happens during that year? Like, why is it, why does it take so long? So um, when you start your, um, medical school application process, obviously the first step is take your MCAT, study for and take your MCAT. So depending on um, your time management skills and your studying skills, that could take you um, a month. That can take you three months. That could take you six months. So it just depends on how long it takes you to study. So that's the first obstacle. And then once you, um, you know, set an appointment for your MCAT and have a, a, you sit for your MCAT and you pass, now you have to um, start the application process. So what I would advise students who are um, do, um, going through this process currently, I would advise them to apply to as many schools as possible. I'm not a stat- statistician, but I know probabilities. <laughs> and the mm-hmm. more schools you apply to, you increase your chance, the likelihood that one school out of, let's say, 20 will look at your application and um, give you an interview. So there's that. And then after you uh, submit your, you know, apply to all these schools, there's um, a, a secondary application. So then mm-hmm. once these schools look at your um I guess your resume per se, then they will send you a secondary application that you need to view and answer. They'll give you some essays or questions that they want you to answer and you have to fill that out. And all of this takes time. So that, so. What's the purpose of the second, but what's the purpose of that, of the second application? Basically the school itself. So the MCAS has a common application, right? Where you put in your credentials, and then they send that off to all the schools for you. Now, the secondary application is um, made specifically by the school that you sent your application to. And they're going to ask you specific questions that they want for a, a student at their school. So it's kind of tailored to what they are looking for in their students. So they're going to ask you questions about what made you want to um, get into medicine. They might ask you questions like, what's your favorite book? <laughs> what do you like to do for fun? They're trying to get... because. But what people forget is that, yes, medicine is about um, being able to retain, you know, all this knowledge, but it's also about your bedside manner. You know, it's about how do you interact with patients? Are you a good person? Are you? <laughs> no, honestly. Yeah. Somebody can be brilliant, but a terrible physician because they don't know how to interact with patients and patients will not return to that physician because of that. And that's very bad for the hospital. That's very bad for a clinic. That's very bad for wherever you're employed at, unless you have your own practice. So people forget, yes, it's important, the, you know, the science portion of medicine, but being able to be just being a good person and knowing how to having those social skills to interact with people is very important also. So I think medical schools sent out that secondary application because they're trying to gauge what type of student do we want for ourselves? 
Um, it sometimes it can be redundant, but um, what I've noticed is that a lot of the secondary applications will ask the same questions. So I just made a list of the same response and I kind of just sent it oh, over and over and over again. So I was just like, mm-hmm. y'all write this down. <laughs> Basically, you're going to ask the same question. I'm going to answer with the same response. I Obviously, I tweaked it per school, but in the general span of things. So yeah. after that, um, then schools, then the schools who liked your secondary application will then um, send you a interview for, send you a request for an interview. Now, once you get the request for an interview, okay. you're being very, very, very close to being in. Very, very, okay. very, very, very close to being in. So they'll set us, they'll set your interview for a certain day. And obviously that adds more time to your application process. But then if you're a good interviewer, the likelihood of you going to med school once you get your interview request is high. Because they've seen that your grades are good. You know, they like what they see on paper. They just want to see, do I like what I see in person? Hmm. At least that was my experience. If I was able to talk good during the interview, I got a uh, come to my school. Hmm. I was waitlisted for one school, but then later on, but by this time I already accepted a medical school, but I was eventually accepted to that school as well. So I, th- from, my, from my experience, once you get that interview, it's like you're, you're golden. And, and yeah, you're, Again, Katie, you're known to be charismatic and, and amazing. And so what's like the key behind a good interview, I guess, from your from your experience? So, you know, um, I was nervous going into um, interviewing for medical school because I had all these preconceived notions of I can't be myself. I have to, you know, it was something we were talking about earlier, being professional. Mm-hmm. And um, who's people who um people who sent set those standards you know abiding by those rules so that was a little bit hard for me but after talking to my parents they're like well obviously all parents are going to say this but they're like you're so smart you're so talented just be yourself I was like really they're like yeah I'm like okay I guess and honestly when I interviewed I all I had to do was be myself some of my interviews wasn't even about medicine at all really wait no (laughs) one of my interviews um, he was a Nigerian rheumatologist and all we talked about, cause he, he wanted to do telehealth because obviously I'm African, he's African. So we started talking about, you know, our individual countries and he went to bring telehealth to his country. I was like, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's something I'd be interested in. And so we really spent an hour talking about telehealth. Just, just plotting. <laughs> plotting, you know, we're like, okay, we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Get my contact info. And I think that is, that is the that is the recipe. That is what they want. They want to see that not only are you brilliant. Well, I wouldn't say I'm brilliant, not, but not only are you capable, um, you know, in the science, in academia, you're good in academia, but you're also just a good person. Like yeah. you're relatable. You can make people feel good about themselves when they talk to you. That's, I think that's what they're looking for. Cause if you pass, once you pass the, once you get that interview, they're basically telling you on paper, you're good. Show me who you okay. are in person, you I know? See. So I think a lot, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, so I, I see that. So it's, I can imagine, because I know that even through like my own interview um, 
experiences it's like you get this nervousness that like oh you have to act or be a certain way mm. but it's so interesting and when we think of medical school we think of the most prestigious like degree you could you could ever have and so it's it's interesting to like see that that understanding that that you don't have to be what the qualifications what the standards sets you as you just have to be yourself and and i see that in my own professional career too that like you just have to be yourself and everything comes with it. Exactly. I think people forget that physicians are just people too. They were at, they were teenagers once they sure. partied, you know, they, they are just people. They're not, you know, a, this, we set these high standards for people that are in certain positions. They're just like you and me. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that insight. That, that really, that really, uh, it really is insightful. Absolutely. And so I guess once you get the interview, I guess, how long does it take for you to get the acceptance letter? Like, what's the process from there to like being accepted? So I think I touch on this a little bit. So it depends. So if you're waitlisted, you might not because I, it's been a while, but I think I started my application process in September. Like the year I started my application, I started in after I took my MCAT, I think I started in September. Then I got my secondaries and had to return them by December. And I got my interviews in January. And I heard back from my first school in February. I heard back from my last school in July. So it just depends because I was waitlisted. So if okay. you're waitlisted, you're not going to hear back until, you know, they've already the first their first picks have gone through. And those people, some, some of those people have said no because they got accepted to other schools and now they have mm-hmm. empty spots. So now they're calling all their waitlist people like, hey, do you want to, you know, yeah. do you so it just depends on the school. It depends on, you know, did you get waitlisted? Did you not? But the first school I heard back from, it only took like a month to hear back from. Wow. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good because I know like, like when it, when it comes to the interview process, it's always like that tension, like that anxiety of just waiting, but it looks like it's normal. Like, you know, you might have to wait until July to get, you know, an acceptance, you know, to get your acceptance letter. And so I, I do want to ask here that what, I guess, do you have any last keys, any, any, any last insight that you'd give to somebody who's currently in this process? Like what, what do you, do you have any, any final thoughts? Yeah. So that's a long list, but, (laughs) um, I guess to hit some salient points, I would say, make sure you have a good mentor. Reach out to your school. I know at Towson, they didn't actually have a pre-med advisor. I asked for one. Find me somebody. I need somebody to talk to who's been through this or at least knows the process. So they were able to find me a pre-med advisor. So even if your school doesn't have a medical school, still reach out to, you know, your administrators and see what, what options they have available for you. So that's one. Two, make sure you're ready for med school. Mm-hmm. Med school is doable, but it's hard. It's hard. There is a balance. It's, um, you have to be good with time management. You don't have to be the most, you don't have to be the most intelligent person on earth, but you have to have a good work ethic. If you're the type of person who you don't like to study every day, med school might not be for you. <laughs> um, if you're the type of person who can get all of your work done in two days and that's just how your work ethic is, okay, fine. But I think as long as you have that, make sure you, you know what you're getting yourself into is what I'm going to say. Make sure you know, you're getting, you know what you're getting yourself into. 
for me, I know when I was in undergrad, I was a crammer. I did not study to the night before. I crammed mm-hmm. everything into my little tiny brain. I took my test and that was it. It wasn't until I, I studied for my MCAT that I realized, uh-oh, I cannot, you know, memorize, cram a book this thick overnight. So I had to spread out um, the time I take to study. So that actually helped me with my study habits, you know, setting a schedule. Okay, I'll wake up at this time and I'll finish studying by this time and have the rest of the evening free, so on and so forth. So just find, I think the most important thing is finding out what works best for you and knowing, making sure that you're ready for med school. Once you have that down, you can have a life. So I think a lot of people think that when it comes to med school, you can't have a social life. That is not true. One, if you follow me on Snapchat, you see, I'd be going out. Okay. I'd be going out. Yes, I have to pick and choose which events I can or can't go to. Obviously, if I have an exam on Monday, I'm not going out Saturday. It's not going to happen. But if I just took a final on Friday, I'm going out Saturday. And I would like to see somebody try to stop me. Like, it's possible to have um, a social life and academic life. So that's another point I want to point out. So yes, it's hard, but it's doable. Make sure you have the correct resources. Um, See if the schools that you're attending have a pipeline program. So you might not even need to take your MCAT or get a bachelor's before applying for med school. Just reach out to people because social capital is so important. People don't realize it. It is so important. It's one of the things... I would trade financial capital for social capital. I could have, I could be the most wealthy person in the world just from social capital. Well, I know you would need eventually get financial capital, but (laughs) the point is social capital can open so many doors for you. So yeah, just try to get as much, as many resources as possible. And yeah. You should be, you should be good. Wow. Thank you. So thank you so much for that report. That was beautifully well, well, uh, well delivered because now I feel like you know, I, we definitely uh, know a thing or two now for sure. And and so now I do want to pass it off to our analysts here to have any, you know, to give their analysis or any questions. So I have Gabriella. That was so much fun to listen to. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, like I, I think it's a different experience. Like there are people who have people in their family who are doctors or like who know what the process is supposed to look like Mm. and like oftentimes us immigrant families we don't have that and like we can try with all the resources we can try with all the things but it's really up to just you the person like you're doing it you're really out here you got it you got it down like you still go out you you're studying and you know how to and I can't wait to have doctors like you (laughs) thank you so much for that feedback Gabriella and and I have here the the best for last, Mr. Alexander. Yeah, it was really cool listening to uh, you just explain your process and everything like that. I don't know how like y'all medical students do it because like pretty much almost every medical student I've talked to like almost has like the same attitude as you. Like they always seem to have it so together. They're always able to uh, get what they needed to do done and then still go out and, like, have time to, like, get their hair done in between. Like, it's really amazing just um, just how together y'all have it and how, um, I guess, like, how well you handle such a strenuous process. Um, and it's really cool because my sister, she's currently going through the process now. 
because Ooh. she's um like she's literally studying for her MCAT. I think she's taking it uh, next week or oh something wow. like that. She's taking the next whenever the next cycle is. Like she's studying for that now. So like wow. it's just interesting hearing your perspective and um, knowing what she's going through too because uh, I know she's been getting ready for it for a long time. And I know it's a lot, but I never really talked to her like in depth about it. So it was interesting hearing about it more in depth. Thank you, Alex, for sharing that with us. Um, if your sister wants to connect, please feel free. I, I could give Juan my contact info. If she has any questions at all about the med school process, I know it can be, you know, a scary thing. If she wants to reach out at all, I will give Juan my contact info. She can ask me any questions she wants. And um, the second thing I want to point out is, I know we look like we have it all together, but we don't. <laughs> We're just very good at, you know, um, at least at my med school, the first two years is all like book. You're just studying, taking exams. The second uh, two years is clinicals. So you're actually working in the hospital while you're still studying, taking exams. But then you get the patient interaction and you're under a physician. So a lot of it is faking it, acting like you know everything, you know, trying to be like this perfect student, even though inside you're dying inside. So I'm, I thank you for the compliment, but honestly... I don't have it all together. It just, looks, it just looks like that. Fake it till you make it. Basically. Yeah. I will say my favorite part about having a sister, I guess, in the medical field is hearing about, like, the clinical horror stories. Uh, I will say that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's always um interesting topic to discuss. But, yeah, it's... It's always a time. Uh-huh, exactly. That's that's all I'll comment on that. Mm. And that being said, we're going to... And Alex, it looks like it's about that time we uh, wrap it up for part wrap it up, one. Yeah. Wrap it up, if y'all want to continue giving us the... Uh, if, you, if y'all want us to continue providing all the news and analysis you need, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and your respective platforms. We'll be back for part two of our Black and Brown Health Special.